They're just waiting for the elevator. For the elevator? Yeah. yeah. Ooh la la. There are a lot of loud people. There's one thing about Malaysians. They love a good yell. They'll just yell anywhere, like in the supermarket. Like if they if they've uh, if they've they're shopping together and they've lost each other momentarily in the supermarket, they'll be like, Hey! Hey! And just happily just yell across the entire supermarket. Do you admire that though? Like do you wish that you had the f- sort of self confidence and the freedom to be able to just like use full volume? I don't, I don't know like here's that, a genuine no. fact. I don't think I've ever yeah. like yelled as loud as I can yell. Do you know what I mean? Maybe on like a roller coaster once, you know? Yeah. But I feel in some ways aren't we contained like as yeah. a as a form of expression by a societal you know, limitation on volume, on on shared space and, and cohabitation. That's a good point. I can't remember the last time I've yelled. I think it's probably pretty cathartic. I think it'd feel really good. Because there are those, like, smash rooms, right, where you can, like, pay money to go and, like, spend half an hour in this room and it's just full of, like, breakable glasses and vases and things. And you just go in with, like, um, like eye protection on and a baseball bat and just start, like, smashing shit and screaming and yeah. things. Like, that would, yeah. be, that would be very fun, I think. I like to internalise most of my rage. Okay. Um, How's that working out for you? Well, I don't have cancer. Oh, that you know Which of. I think, which is what that can lead to, I think. Okay. <laughs> All right. The science is um, in. But I, but I do have a lot of unresolved kind of bullshit, I think. Mm. <sighs> you win some, you lose anyway. some, I guess. Well, that's sounding yeah. a bit quieter now. Yeah, they've gone. Sorry for the late start. Had no, that's to, okay. Uh, Get rid of Yoko over there, but <laughs> look, I, I haven't checked the um the emails, but I'm pretty sure that there'll be a lot of enthusiasm for last week's appearance by Lauren. So I wouldn't write her out just yet. Is there a is there a, a Yoko situation where she actually replaces uh, the main band member, and everyone's like, "This is great." You know, every time we have a guest, yeah, you threaten for that guest. To take my job. <laughs> well, Every single time. Look, I keep giving you warnings and nudges that if your you know, performance doesn't improve, the next quarter we're going to have to be really looking at our, <laughs> our budgets. <laughs> Nick, it's been eight, eight or nine years and our, our listenership has, has, has remained rock solid. <laughs> um, Which in some ways is impressive. Like I think you'd see a can, lot of people we are like consistent. peaks and troughs. The key is just to set the bar really low. Yeah. I've always said that. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell me how Malaysia is. You've been there a week? Um, I think we've been here for like a week and a half because we're leaving on Tuesday. But yeah, oh. we're in Penang, in Penang, which mm. is um, kind of a, it's always been somewhere I wanted to go because I don't, I don't really remember why, but like I probably saw an empty bo- Yeah. Well, I didn't know much about it. Like... You know, you go to Kuala Lumpur regularly as an Australian when you're traveling internationally because it's like this hub. But like you never, I don't know, I've never really like explored Malaysia. No. I was only ever there for like a layover or whatever. But Penang was a big one on my bucket list because, you know, it's meant to be like a food hub. Yeah, right. Um, like a street food kind of mecca. 
Um, and, which it is. It's like probably the best food we've had. Oh wow! I don't. I don't know if Lauren would agree with that actually, but um, I you know it's, it's just like yeah, food exactly like goals. Yeah, everything is just really spicy like you, there's no relief from spice and there's like curries and there's roti and um and all these like kind of interesting dishes where they'll you'll go to there's this um the 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 main dish that you can basically get anywhere here is called um nasi kanda which is rice and then you just kind of select these curries from um you know kind of a buffet style thing yeah. where the chef is serving you uh, and they literally just pour everything on top of each other. Yeah. So you're getting like a chicken curry, you're getting like a beef curry, you get an egg curry, yeah. and it's just going all in the same thing. It looks like it looks like a complete mess, but it's so so fucking good. That's awesome. Yeah. Are you finding that you're eating the same amount? Like, are you still getting like three meals a day or whatever, or are you finding that you can eat one of those and be like, ah, I'm sort of done. Yeah, well, the 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 meals are like bigger here, but also it's it's probably less healthy than it was in you know Vietnam, so we're kind of having to uh, reconfigure our eating, yeah, um, accordingly because it's like a lot of oil, a lot of carbs, a lot of fat, yeah. Um, so yeah, have been have been like trying to eat two meals a day, and then uh, we can actually because we're in this apartment now, we can cook. So I've been cooking a little bit as well, oh, which nice. has been real nice but yeah it's a, it's an interesting vegemite on toast well raisin toast raisin Habit toast is, i've re rekindled my love for raisin toast i fucking rekindled love. you had a love yeah. it went away i had a huge yeah because when we were growing up we used my mum used to love raisin toast and my she mom, would yeah that was a phase right i think everyone's mum loved raisin toast for a while well i totally agree with them because it's just like you get that the way that my mum would do it, which was in a hurry, and she would spread <laughs> she would spread the butter across the toast, but because the butter was cold, you'd just get glumps like yeah of uh, you'd butter. Get glumps of butter, yes. Okay, apparently that's not a word. <laughs> Look, it's very um, it's very. Uh, you know what I meant. I I do. It, it communicates very accurately. And so instead of like an even spread of butter, you get like, you get glumps. I'm doubling You get glumps. <laughs> and, um, and you'd get this one glump that would just be like so salty and fatty and perfect. With and it'd be the, with starting nice... to melt a little bit. Yeah. Oh. And anyway. Is I, it possible I that you taste... just like butter and you don't I actually really... like raisin toast? That is very, <laughs> the raisin toast is just a vessel uh, for the butter. <laughs> for your butter addiction. Yeah. Um, but I found raisin toast here. There's actually a Woolworths um, oh. type place. It's not. It's not strictly a Woolworths. It's called like the Village Grocer. But the layout is all exactly like Woolworths. And then they have this one you corner mean, that you is just found a supermarket. No, let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> I realised that that was sounding. They have this one corner where it's just completely Woolworths branding everywhere. Okay, like on the yeah, on the yeah. shelves and everything. So it's I it imagine that it's yeah. Yeah, affiliate. affiliate. Uh, anyway, they have like really in a. It's great when you're in a place where there's not much like relief from foreign foods. Yeah. Um. You know, even just to get a snack, you're like, uh, what are all these what like all have? these yeah. ten types of biscuits that I've never seen? And then like a lot of a lot of the food here as well. Like you you try to get like a like a um, like a cheese biscuit or something or a cheese roll, uh-huh. and you you're like, oh, okay, cheese roll, that'd be nice. 
and then it's just packed with sugar and it's like a sweet cheese roll yeah right um so it's like you're constantly I mean, this fighting is, against that now that you say this uh, this seems like heaven for you because we've previously established your supermarket bona fides. You mm. love a wonder. You love bringing home a new product from the supermarket. I mean, gosh, you must have walked into an almost Woolworths over here and just about came from all the exciting new products mm. everywhere. You, you you must be living it up. Yeah, I got a big uh, big supermarket bona fide. Um, <laughs> It is, uh, it, yeah, so it was nice to find like Woolworths, a Woolworths type thing where they have like stuff that you recognize. And so I've been cooking a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of pasta. Yeah. You know, even just, even just dishes that you would cook at home are kind of tough to replicate because all the ingredients are, are, are slightly different. Like yeah. they have, you know, trying to get parsley is a whole mission because they call it something else here. And, yeah. you know, trying to get like, um, kind of like mince meat for the bolognese if you're cooking that it's like it doesn't taste quite the same yeah but you know it's something yeah part of the adventure yeah. um over here for a while there was Woolworths and then there was countdown and then at a certain yeah. point Woolworths merged with countdown and they decided that everything was going to be countdown so they rebranded all the Woolworths and made them countdowns everywhere including mm. in places where you used to have a Woolworths and like a countdown sort of in the same complex or right opposite each other. And they would shut one down and make the other one, you know, the countdown and that kind of thing. And then they yeah. just announced like a month ago that actually, no, they've changed their mind. And now every store is going to become a Woolworths. <laughs> so they're what? rebranding Have... all of the countdowns <laughs> back to the Woolworths again. How so... could that possibly <laughs> exist? Why? Yeah. Who Who is doing this? I don't know. I think they want some sort of unified brand across Australia, New Zealand or something so that when they are making these products, which say like the, the W logo, like the home brand or whatever, they can just ship them and it makes sense everywhere. But Well, Woolworths bizarre. was Safeway in Victoria. Like yeah. they've gone through a lot of, they're having an identity crisis. They don't know really who they are. Well, it's because they keep buying like separate companies, right? Like this is a monopolization mm. kind of thing or a duopoly problem where these things that used to be competitors are now, you know, a conglomerate. Yeah. Well, they're kind of all owned by the same people. Like I uh, apparently Kmart and Target are merging into oh. one now which um Kagan. which makes sense Kegit uh, ta Tarmart yeah nah Kegit Kegit because it sounds like Kegel a little bit um <laughs> not in the way that you pronounced it <laughs> Kegel um but then but then like when I was reading up about this merger I just found that like Kmart and Target are ultimately owned by the same company anyway I'm like well what are we doing like you're <laughs> yeah. essentially the same store brand like who's yeah. Oh, who's, yeah. I mean, who's who's going to target out of loyalty over Kmart? Yeah, I don't know. There's a um, a shocking number of like top level super conglomerate stuff. Like just about everything in the um, like the beauty and hygiene aisle. It's it's all just like one company. Like all your Johnson and Johnsons and your and your you know soaps and and Doves and all like they're all just like one brand. It's just one company yeah. with different offshoots. And same yeah. with like the drink style. It's all just one thing. Like it's pretty <laughs> depressing, really. It is very depressing. But it's also very convenient, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fun. Welcome to Deep Ford, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us again. 
with your precious time and your precious ears and your precious brains. This is a podcast in which we touch on things that matter to the world and things that matter to us. And where that line divides is up to you. Uh, sitting through the internet with me, my friend in Malaysia. Hey, Michael. Hey, baby. Hi, Nick. How you doing? How's it going? Did you get a haircut? No. I just had a shower. Okay, that's it. Well, it looks it looks great. It looks fresh. It looks funky. It looks fruity. It looks fun. Fruity and fun is what I'm going for. Uh, You're also looking fruity and fun. Oh, thank you. That's very nice. But in a gay way. Is that necessary? Yeah. Um, Sorry. The, uh, I haven't really spoken to um, a lot of men lately, and I'm feeling myself like in my chats uh, with you know my brother and you know Dave Weber and stuff that I'm becoming a little broy, and I'm I'm wondering <laughs> if I'm wondering if it's like a like a muscle that I like need to uh, flex, uh, or maybe not flex is the right is word, like, but like activate because talk I'm to like guys I'm just, experience. Because I'm just hanging out with you know one very lovely woman, um, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of um, uh, yeah. I'm thinking maybe I need a little bit of like maybe I need some men, you know? You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, bro. Yeah, I get that. Um, well, I mean, I think you've got opportunities here. You could hit the club. You can yeah. hit the gym. You know, make some Yo. make some guy friends and and you know reconnect re- rekindle this lost art of communication um because it might not yeah. be working for you at the moment oh what do you mean the bro talk yeah i just yeah i think it's like i'm i'm finding myself like leaning into a little bit of like you know just like casual misogyny oh. you know as a joke no i'm joking that was a Is joke that, that's okay. come off lauren though because she was always such a misogynist famously very sexist yeah. towards women yeah um no it's just kind of like like broy kind of locker roomy kind of vulgar chat but do you think that there is a difference in terms of digital communications like when you're only doing it over messenger it's a lot harder to sort of be sincere so then it's yes. you sort of just like end up skewing into like weird parody and like shorthand and stuff right yes i think that's right and thanks for giving me an out there um i it's also the types of people that i'm kind of communicating with like very casually on an every on a daily basis yeah um of which there are maybe like four people and most of them are men yeah and it's a lot of like yeah we're like into the same comedy and stuff it's just quick it's just kind of quicker and because it's the, the the talk is cheap on um, on like messenger, yeah. So it's just like oh, you just throw away kind of bullshit comments. But then if I actually sometimes I think if this was read aloud in a court, I would look like an absolute dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's all in jokes, right? Like that's true even if you are so. like in the same country or in the same city. Like yeah, the shit that you can pull out of my like messenger history, it's ridiculous. And I would love to, and we'll we'll make that a and segment for coming next up week. later in the show. <laughs> <laughs> Canceling Nick now. Um, for the first time, we don't have a Lauren present. She's actually made a conscious choice to leave. 
Yeah. How is the, uh, what are we now, two months in, are you finding the need to set sort of alone time? Like you're talking about not having guy chat, but do you feel like you need mm. to go off and have like guy wonder time? Yeah, we, we, we definitely do do that, do do. Um, it's a little bit trickier for her though, I would say. Um, you know, I feel we were, talk, we were having this chat um, earlier this week that she 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 feels a little bit like um yeah I don't want to speak for her but like she she feels like a little bit like she has less agency uh in in certain countries right. where whereas I as a man um I'm I'm kind of like I'll just go out the door and walk down the street and whatever and I'll cross the street and you know I don't give a fuck and you know I, I've got this kind of I'll cross not, the street not, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but like i have this like confidence that everything yeah. will be okay yeah and that's essentially where that's my default position when i'm in a foreign country yeah uh, but hers is more and understandably so it's more you know there are some there are things that could go wrong for me here yeah. so it's kind of on the back foot and i think that makes her maybe a little bit less a little bit more hesitant uh to go out and explore by herself yeah. you know there's that's totally fair you know um, you know, there's, I don't know, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know how um, a, a woman might experience a country like Malaysia, yeah. uh, where it, you know, seems pretty safe to me. But you know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a Muslim country, and I don't know that you know you have to think about the way you dress. Like she's had been having to think about the way she dressed. Can I wear a, a sleeveless shirt out even though it's thirty three degrees outside? Yeah, these are things that I'm just not thinking about at all. No. Um, so I have found it, you know, I, I've been going out by myself and I'll catch a, you know, catch a taxi into the town and I'll walk around and I'll have a beer and I'll, you know, I've been, you know, I've met strangers and we've just been drinking together for the afternoon. And so that's been nice, but I don't think she has that luxury. So, um, yeah, there, there's a little bit of a disconnect in that sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that affecting the amount of time you're spending in these places? Like, was it always two weeks in Malaysia or are you like, okay, that's probably enough in this environment. Maybe we can look for somewhere next, which is, you know, more amenable to her or more more suitable for that. You know, uh, I don't think it's really affecting the, the those decisions because we're booking in advance yeah. um, these accommodations and we're booking booking longer term stays. And also, I think you know, Southeast Asia is is more or less the same in in terms of how safe one person might feel. Yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily affecting it there, but you know we're we're going to Thailand next week and and staying by the beach uh, in kind of a quieter part. So you know maybe maybe that is kind of <clears throat> maybe we're subconsciously looking for those types yeah. of places, but we're just kind of looking for we're looking for places just that so that we can um, just kind of settle in and yeah. live rather than this feeling of you know when you're on holiday you're all right i need to see i need to see this landmark and whatever you know we're just kind of it's actually kind of a nice way to travel a you spend less money um and b you also just feel like you're getting maybe more of a north or closer to an authentic experience because you are you're kind of all right i've got my coffee shop down the road which i go to every day yeah and you know i know my little places around here and you're just kind of settling in it's kind of just like a very casual yeah uh, way of traveling so you're not 
doing any touristy things or you, you're still seeing a bit of like this, that and the other, but it's not the priority every day to go out and hit, you know, a, a hotspot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're Penang is kind of a small island. Um, so we went, we went hiking up to the, the top of the mountain um, the other day and that was like, it was beautiful. Um, saw some monkeys or a, saw oh, like a giant. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not skim yeah. past that. Michael, okay. I know you love a monkey. I know you love I an love ape. A monkey. You've made friends at the zoo who are probably yeah. missing you, to be honest. I know that sounds like a dig, but this, that was a true fact that you and you yeah. and some orangutans got got close. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Young. meeting a monkey. How does it feel to be in a place where they're just like hanging around? It feels great, Nick. It feels great. You know, monkeys are. I've had some. I've had some hairy encounters with monkeys. Good. I also would have gone with monkey business. <laughs> I will accept I love, both. I love a live punch up. Yeah, um, on the story. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm here. Um, we got a room I've, here if you if you need, <laughs> if you need to spice this up at all. Pitch um, So monkeys can be unpredictable, and you, sometimes you don't know, especially when you're in like a, a country you've never been and you don't really understand the animal that well. You know, it, it could go either way. I've I've been hiking in Sri Lanka and I've been almost like chased away by a gang of monkeys. Yeah. Gang? Yeah. Gang. No, they, they had guns they gang? and tattoos, yeah. They had tattoos and bandanas. Yeah. Well, that's really a specific kind of stereotype there, isn't it? <laughs> I was, I was picturing like West End story, like kind of. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'll picture like a, a gang. Like a 50s gang. Yeah. Like a gay, like a gay gang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they wow, completely they've got jazz hands. Yeah, jazz. <laughs> completely reinterpreted not... that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so these were the monkeys that we saw here in Penang. Uh, were like high up in a tree, and then they'd kind of get like a little bit closer, and then you see one has a like a mother has a baby, and you're like, oh, okay, they can be unpredictable. But yeah, they were they were at a pretty safe distance. But it is a, it's a beautiful thing. Like it's interesting that like the locals will just walk past and they're like, oh fucking monkeys, you know. I find it interesting when people who live in the place that, where there's like tourists that come and they say, oh my god, there's an elephant, and the locals are like, oh, I fucking hate elephants. They're so annoying. They're what? ruining my crops. Blah blah blah. Oh. In Sri Lanka, the yeah. elephants were really bad news for the farmers there. But I guess that's how we feel about kangaroos yeah that's fair. Um, you know you know pe- people are just like oh my god a kangaroo like seeing seeing like a foreign person come to australia yeah. and see a kangaroo for the first time sometimes you want to you want to try and feel it with them yeah, like, i mean hey, yeah, I, I guess I, it is pretty interesting i went to clearland with kc and they have those huge pens of like just like wild roaming kangaroos and genuinely like very charming to just watch a foreigner go up and like hold out the hand with the food pellets and they're like eating out of the hand and it's like oh my god and i'm like oh yeah yeah this is actually like a cool creature (laughs) yeah i mean australia has when you get a little perspective from from for for it whoa you do like you do kind of appreciate the fact that australia has some of the craziest evolved animals in the world yeah whoa Okay. Well, I don't want to talk about that, that anymore. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was agreeing like, with yeah. you, and then you were surprised. 
Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, I really want to ask you if you've seen um, Oppenarby. No. Yet. No. Uh, Are you saying <laughs> you're calling it Oppenarby? Which I'm is mixing it up. Which is fresh. That's fresher. No, I haven't. Um, I haven't been yet. I do want to see both. Um, it hasn't been the week for it, but I am looking forward to it. I've seen Mission Impossible, um, which I very much enjoyed. But okay. No, I do want to go see uh, the Barbie and the Oppenheimer. The uh, I'll I'll just uh, I've just got one one little nugget on this because it was interesting because I've never seen a movie uh, in a foreign country before. Yeah. And I saw both of those films yes. um, he, here in Malaysia, and it was a it was a very interesting experience. Mm. I got to say, okay, um, English audio subtitled, English audio and subtitled yeah. in Malay, yeah, and and Mandarin actually. Oh, at the same time, um, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. So it was it was really interesting. So Oppenheimer first in KL, and. Um, <clears throat> First of all, there's you know, we have the kind of the pick of pick of the seats there. Uh, we're trying to work out who's coming to see this film. It wasn't in IMAX; it was just like a regular yeah, theater. Standard, yeah. But we're like, who? who? T- turns out, quite a few people. Yeah, you know, so there's probably twenty people in there. A lot of them kind of younger. Um, people speak really great English here in Malaysia, um, so I think there was like a there's a cultural thing where they're kind of brought up with a lot of Americanisms and West, there's a lot of Westernization here. Yeah. And um, so first of all, we realized about 20 minutes into this movie that it had been heavily censored. Oh. Um, yeah. And we, we like curse words this, or nudity. Well, nudity for one. And also in Oppenheimer, this this is not spoilers, but yeah. there's a uh, there's a reference to Hindu uh, scriptures, Hindu text, yeah. uh, which is just just terribly edited oh. around, like just real bad. Wow. So it was like it was so stark that we were like, "Is this is this what just happened? Yeah. Censored? Yeah." There's one there's one point as well. Again, no spoilers, but this was so comical that uh, there's a nudity scene uh, of a woman in Oppenheimer and she's sitting on a couch and she's clearly meant to be naked. Yeah. And they've actually CGI'd a dress onto her in in like like a Photoshop that I would have done. (laughs) We've seen the podcast artwork. We know standard (laughs) podcaster skills. Honestly, I probably could have done better than this. And the, the dress, the dress, the dress, uh, did the digital dress yeah. was kind of like moving. So they, they, they just really didn't put much effort into it. Yeah. So there's, there was, there was that. It was, but then the other, the other factor with the censorship was, okay, it's a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. He's, he, you know, you know, he plays around with a timeline. Yeah. We're kind of going through this movie second guessing everything now because there there are some like there are some real like stark smash uh, cut and moments ab- abrasive yeah. and we don't know what's been edited and what's been censored and what's just Nolan doing his thing yeah so it, it made for a very <laughs> uh, maybe an uncomfortable uh, 
a viewing experience yeah. because you, you're kind of second guessing everything. Um, and not only that, there were, they have like, uh, they have previews at the start of the film to, and to say like, uh, if you are a court recording this film on your phone, you'll get like 10 years in prison. It's like pretty, yeah. it's pretty like aggressive. Yeah. And these two young guys, 21, yeah. basically recording the whole film on their phone. Wow. Um, like not, not, not necessarily like recording the whole film. They were recording. Just like grabbing for, moments. They were, were grabbing moments. And their brightness was completely up. Like yeah. it was, it was like a torch. Yeah. And it was so annoying. And I'm like looking around, I'm going, is anyone going to, is anyone going to throw these guys in jail? I want these, oh, kind of, I want these I teenagers to be in prison for 10 years. I wanted them to go to jail. Like I, I, <laughs> I kid you not, I thought about dobbing them in and I thought about, I, I went through three options. I thought I'm going to go outside here and tell the, uh, the staff. That, yeah. You know? I was like, is that the fairest way? Or I can um, I can go up to them and say, hey, guys, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, hoping that they speak English. But then there's this like, oh, you know, you're a fucking foreigner you know, in the country. Uh, yeah. Foreigner. Who the fuck are you? Yeah. So I didn't like that one. And then I thought maybe at the end of the movie, I'll just be like, hey, guys, what are you doing with the recording? But I mean, how can I, how can I really yeah. communicate? Fifth option so, and- or fourth option, pull the, fu- the smoke alarm. Get everyone mm. out of there and just like hope that it wets their phone and that they can't record anything in the future. Okay. Okay. I didn't think about that one. Yeah. One in the pocket um, for next time. All right. Thank you. Um, and they're, they're taking photos of like, they're taking photos and, and footage of like the kind of uh, the moments that you might, like the iconic moments of the film, if that. So you like, think this is their second time through? I think this is a social media thing. I was theorizing oh. to Lauren that, you know, it's a, it's kind of a maybe a cool thing to be seen going to see like an English language Hollywood film. And so maybe this is a social media thing because they were really picking their moments for when they took photos and took footage. And they, right. were, they were both doing it. So the only, the only kind of theory I could come up with was that they were like, looking to post this on social media somewhere. Right. Anyway, great movie. Um, I do want to see. Can I tell yeah. you my story of the time I saw a Christopher Nolan movie in a foreign country? Please. When I was in the Netherlands, um, in, I think it was Rotterdam, I was traveling in 2012 just as The Dark Knight Rises came out. And, you know, it being the the big finale of the trilogy of the Batman films, everyone loved The Dark Knight, like so much hype. Everyone was excited to see it. I was like, well, I have to see it. I'm, I'm traveling. I still have to go see it. Went to um, look around for a cinema and this was when it would, had come out. And we're like, okay, we'll go in Rotterdam and we'll, we'll find a place to go um, that's showing it in English and yep. not dubbed and, and we'll, we'll make a day of it. And went along uh it's all going well they're serving nachos which is an odd cinema cinema food because classically cinema you sort of want a quiet snack you're not in there looking for crunchy corn chips but 
look, each to their own. Night this part Did of the, the nachos come with like a dipping sauce. It had a, it had a, like a melted cheese on top. Okay, so sort of like a so queso sog- and, sogs it up yeah, a little bit. Uh, sogs it a little bit, but it's still like crunch, 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 crunch. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. A very audible, a very it's audible. Not food. ideal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I'm getting into it, like the the film's proceeding through the plot, and you know, Catwoman's going on, and Bane's hanging around, and then gets halfway through the film, and spoiler alert, eleven year old film coming up. Um, halfway through the film, Bane fights Batman and picks him up and smacks him down on his knee and breaks his back. I'm like, oh my god, like this, oh god, what's happening now? You know, like fucking drama, and it fades to black, and then it pauses. And it waits, and then the lights come up. And I'm like, oh, my God, what what happened? What? That can't be it. That doesn't make sense. What's, ha- what's going on? Is there a problem? What's? And all these people around start talking and start talking, and then some of them get up and go out. I'm like, oh, my what's going on? What a weird ending. And then it turns out that they do intermissions in the Netherlands, and they oh. just arbitrarily pick that moment to stick a 20-minute intermission in the middle of the film. And I'm like, like, you know when you're in the zone and you're like, you're in the flow of a movie and you're just like riding the wave? Yeah. And then the lights yeah. come up and everyone starts chatting and going and getting more nachos. It was so disconcerting. And I was with a friend and, and he was like starting to talk, like, what do you like, what do you think about it? I'm like, don't talk to me. Like, I'm holding on to this. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to digest it halfway. Do you know what I mean? So you think that they just like found the exact middle point and they were like, cut it, cut the film there. I don't, I think it was tactical. I think that they chose that because that's a good break, you know, like that's, that's the climax of the first half of the film, you know, a good point to, to take a break. I don't think it was so harsh as like, well, <laughs> one hour 45, this is where, you yeah. know, whatever. Um, but yeah. It is, it is, intermissions, are, like I like the idea of an intermission. It's kind of. It kind of feels like something that could come back, like given everyone's uh, lack of attention these days with their phone. Uh, you know, part of the reason why I love movies so much is that like going to the cinema is that, <clears throat> that you are kind of forced to be off your phone. You're not you're not looking around like if you it's just not the same if you're watch, streaming a movie at home. But like with everyone's yeah, lack of attention these days, it feels like intermissions are something that could come make a comeback. Well, it's interesting. There's. I think an American cinema chain, which sort of packages almost like an evening of entertainment more than just like a movie. So they right. might they might put music on in the theater, like in the cinema before the show starts. It's sort of thematically connected or like, hey, Trent Reznor did the score. So here's some Trent Reznor music or whatever. Oh, or cool. like before the feature itself shows, instead of ads, you might get like, an SNL skit, which was joking about this thing or like a short film that's related, or if they directed like an episode of a TV show or something, maybe you get a glimpse. Like they sort of think of it as this like evening, which I, I always found I quite that. appealing. Yeah. Um, little trivia. Uh, yeah. Like literally like they'll, they'll do like a custom trivia game and, and that kind of thing. Like it, it seems like that's... a very clever idea to get people going there for more than just Oh, I can watch this on streaming. Yes, but you won't get like a curated yeah. evening of a a thing, you know. Yeah. Do, do you remember there was the um, in Adelaide there was the Capri Theatre and they'd had the organ player. Yeah. At the start. Yeah. It was near your house. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing Pearl Harbor there, and there was like a, a an organ a guy playing the organ <laughs> for like twenty minutes yeah. before the movies, Why and then the, and then Pearl Harbor just starts. You're like, yeah. whoa. 
Well, the, um, um, just on the just on the snacks thing, really quick. I think you might find this interesting. We the, going to the movies in Malaysia is really cheap. Like we're talking like five dollars for a, a movie ticket and five dollars, maybe four dollars for like a large popcorn and coke. Yeah, wow. So it's it's actually really, you know, fun, good way to kind of uh, kill an afternoon. But we ordered. So the first time we went, we went to, saw Oppenheimer, got a ordered a regular regular popcorn and coke and the popcorn is is sweet sickly sweet yeah so the next so we go to barbie we're like, oh we must have accidentally ordered the caramel popcorn we go to barbie or a popcorn we're like oh, it was just a regular butter popcorn no like oh we don't have that yeah it's just it's they have a they have caramel popcorn yeah. and they have extra caramel popcorn. <laughs> yeah it's called royale it's okay. called the royale combo yeah bro um and we we got the royal combo and once you when you're expecting sweet it it's makes fine. it a lot it's a lot better yeah. yeah um there is speaking of like the idea of a distractions just one like further brief tangent there's a um a psa um ad that plays in the cinemas here um which is a whole bunch of like phones going off and and you know text alerts and this kind of thing yeah. um and it's about it's phone telling app. the the cinema goers turn off your phone but it's actually all set in a car and it's a safe driving psa that says uh sometimes all you want is a bit of peace and quiet let driving distract you from your phone which i thought was a great line like put your phone down when you're driving don't be don't feel the need to like text and drive or fiddle around and cause accidents use this as the moment to put aside your notifications and just have a break and i always thought that was quite a clever reframing like psa kind of tagline let driving dis let driving dis what let driving distract you from your phone oh okay yeah that's a little uh, little flip little of the switcheroo. script there yeah I love I it. So that was I good. Love it. Anyway, so what are we talking about this way, Nick? Well, should we do a little bit of a um, a science news? Yeah, man. Play the jingle. Okay. <sighs> it's that time. Time for science news. Okay, here is an article from Atlas Obscura entitled How Young Killer Whales Became Hooligans. Sub, subtitle, sub, what do you call it? The subhead? Uh, yes, orcas have viral cultural trends too. They come when a boat is quiet, the posse of adolescent orca whales looking to rumble. Finding the propeller still, they crash into it like semi-trucks, each animal a monochromatic five-ton torpedo on a mission of destruction. 
Although killer whales are often observed interacting with boats, sea life, and ocean detritus, there's no clear explanation why gangs of young males suddenly began ramming boats around Portugal, Spain, and France this summer. Since July, they've sunk or damaged at least three. Researchers believe the behavior may be a temporary cultural fad, the cetacean what? equivalent of the ice bucket challenge or rick rolling, <laughs> and it's not the first killer whale trend to go viral. Orcas, like other whale and dolphin species, have culture behaviors that are socially shared and learned within a population. Some are transmitted from older generations to younger ones. Others are shared horizontally between members of the same age group. Most often, when a new behavior ripples through a community, it has a clear purpose. It's a new route to a fishing ground or a way to opportunistically exploit human activity. But temporary cultural fads often have no obvious utility. When the behavior's novelty is gone, the fad dies out as quickly as it appears. They're curious animals, and I think they're just engaging with their environment, says a science and research director at the non-profit Wild Orca. Uh, scientists so hypothesize the orcas that are battering the European boat riders aren't doing it out of malice. Instead, they probably just like the feel of water rushing through a propeller. When the <laughs> rudder is not moving, they slam into it out of frustration. Anyway, um, I won't read the full article, but it's posted there in the chapter notes if you're listening to a podcast flavor. Um, there is one uh, other... <laughs> There's one other um, highlight here, which I just want to bring before we talk about um, viral meme behavior in animals, which is that in 1987, a female orca in Puget Sound in the Pacific Northwest was spotted wearing a dead salmon draped over her nose. The fad didn't just spread within the trendsetters pod, her maternal family group. Over the next six weeks, individuals within all three pods in the area, the Southern residents, were observed sporting veils of decaying salmon. Wow. On their noses. And then just as suddenly as it began, the fish went out of fashion. And more than 30 years later, researchers still aren't sure why it caught on in the first place. Wow. So that, that's an actual fashion. Yeah, it's a fad. It's like a literal, it's like a meme. It's a trend, but within the species that has no functional purpose. It's just one one cool orca rocked up one day with a dead fish on her nose. And everyone's like, oh my God, is that is that the thing? <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Where did well, you get that fish? Well, you know, we were all wearing kind of crazy outfits in the 80s. In the 80s, you know? it was wild. They we, had showed up. We look back on that. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. salmon on the nose thing. What were we thinking? I mean, salmon was also the color trend back in the 80s here for us as well. So it's it's all <laughs> coming full circle. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I don't know if like killer whales, because they're so smart, they get bored. Yeah. And so they're like, maybe it's like a form of like, aggression like a teenage boy who's like really horned up is just like i just i'll just bump a boat yeah i i this is a little bit apocryphal and i don't have the story at hand but i feel like there is a a record of cooperation between orca pods and humans where on a certain island maybe it was here in new zealand or in the pacific there was a pod that would push shoals of fish and dolphins towards the shore, like like chase them in up against the beach. And then the native people, let's say for the, this, this may not be correct, but let's say it was the Maori people. They would then throw spears and like hit the, um, the fish, fish and dolphins that were at the shore. And then the orcas would feed off it and, and they would get their bits out of it as well. And they would work together to basically harvest these fish and then one time white settlers came in 
and didn't understand this um, collaboration effectively between the orcas and the, the native people and fired a gun and killed an orca. And from that point on, for like a hundred years since, the orcas have never been seen in that bay again because wow. that information was passed down. And, and it's like, don't go there anymore because they killed great, great, great grandma or whatever. Wow. I wonder just how that's communicated. Yeah, isn't that fascinating? Like amongst them, like it's just like a there's all this communication between animals that uh, like they obviously don't have words. I mean, I guess killer whales and dolphins have kind of a sophisticated communication system, but there's all these things like uh, what, what's the word, Nick, where uh, it's like uh, things that are passed down through the genes that are not necessarily genetic like uh, memes or you mean like yeah. you mean like sort of um, Gen- genetic genetic something genetic uh, i can't remember there's a word yeah for it. we have talked about but it. like it's like in your like fear of like a certain animal maybe would be passed down through your genes even though you've maybe never encountered it like a fear of snakes yeah. is maybe an example of that where we as primates uh, have an, an an inherent. Oh, fear we talked of about snakes. this in terms of the Jewish populations, right? Like the inherited genetic trauma. We talked about that in a previous pod, oh, where there were right, genetic yeah, yeah. markers for the descendants of of Jewish families that had survived the Holocaust. Like you could actually see, like a a, a change in that. Yeah, I, I can't remember what they specifically were measuring the genetic genome. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's interesting that, that the whales can actually like pass this down through generations. But also it's like this this symbiosis of animals. Like my favorite one is the the dogs and humans uh, relationship, like how we domesticated dogs that they were initially wolves and then they they we worked out that, you know, if the wolves hung around humans for long enough, they'd be able to pick up on the the scraps of the meat that the humans are eating. But then the humans would also get protection from the wolves. So there was this kind of um, beautiful symbiosis where we we're like, oh, we can get something from each other here. Yeah. I, it's um, a beautiful thing. I nature. have found the the accurate story that I'm ta- that I was referring to here, um, if you would like me to go into a bit more detail. So this was uh, known as the Killers of Eden Bay, New South Wales, or the Twofold Bay Killers. They're a group of killer whales known for their cooperation with human hunters of cetacean species. They were seen near the Port of Eden in southeastern Australia between 1840 and 1930. Um, a pod of killer whales, which included among the members a distinctive male called Old Tom, would assist whalers in hunting baleen whales. So the killer whales would find target whales, shepherd them into Twofold Bay or other sort of neighboring regions of the coast, and then often swim many kilometers away from the location of the hunt to alert the whalers at their cottage to the presence of these whales and then help to kill them. Wow. So the wow. um, the local indigenous people, um, the Yuin tribe, forgive my mispronunciation, believed the killer whales to be their totem animal and reincarnations of their ancestors. Hmm. Um, one of the elders heard stories of his grandfather riding on the backs of killer whales. Um, <laughs> old Tom's role, the, uh, the the male of the pack, was commonly to alert the human whalers to the presence of the baleen whale in the bay by breaching or tail slapping at the mouth of the river. Um, this role endeared him to the whalers and led to the idea that he was the leader of the pack, um, but that may or may not be true. 
And then after the harpooning, some of the killer whales would even grab the ropes in their teeth and aid the whalers in hauling the whale. Um, Unbelievable. In return for their help, the whalers would anchor the carcass overnight while the killer whales ate the tongue and lips of the whale and then they'd haul it ashore. This was an arrangement of mutualism between the humans and the killer whales. The arrangement was called the law of the tongue, i.e. because they were given the tongue to eat. Um, <laughs> the killer whales would also feed on the many fish and birds that would show up to pick up at the smallest scraps and runoff from the fishing. Um, and this all came to an end after a stranded whale was stabbed to death on the beach in 1901. Only seven members of the once 30-strong pod returned the following year with only a few lone males, including old Tom returning after that. If you're a, if you're a, a whale, though, one yeah. thing I don't understand is that, like, like all animals, their, their reality is the natural world. So if a dog sees a car, like, d- d- I imagine that a dog doesn't necessarily connect that to a human being. It's not like human beings made cars. They have no idea. And so if, 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 a, um, if a whale is getting shot or harpooned by uh, like this land mammal that they sometimes encounter, do they really connect the, 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 the trauma there or the, the, the arrow or the gunshot to the human? I mean, you th- of course they do. Like you think about the number of creatures that scurry away from humans when they see us, right? Like that yeah. is a behavioral um, necessity from knowing that humans pose a risk, right? Um, I guess so. So I guess if I you're guess, seeing like, humans like, oh, next, this... if you're seeing humans next to the sharp pointy thing that killed your friend, there's probably yeah. an association you can make there. Um, yeah, fair enough. But like, as you say, like the the world of technology and humans is is entirely unknowable to to most animals, right? It must look like magic, or like yeah. But I think that would just be their reality. Like, like a bird looks at a building and goes, "I don't know. That's that's just what the world is." Yeah. Like it doesn't necessarily it doesn't think about it how it doesn't like, know how it was housing created. humans yeah. how it came to be yeah I, I i was thinking this the other day when i was looking at the monkeys that like it seems doesn't one isn't hasn't there ever been one animal that's because animals just accept their reality wherever they are they just accept their reality if they're in the ocean they're like this is life or if they're in the uh, you know an arboreal species they like we just live in the trees and there are birds that sometimes can be predators or whatever and we eat berries whatever that's the reality one one monkey hasn't gone how why why well it's a like, brain space right like we know they just don't have I brains know. big enough for that kind of contemplation i know i know i just it just i just feel like maybe there was one Okay, so here's here's a hypothetical, right? We know that um, we know that humans came from apes, um, except in well. Texas. Uh, but, <laughs> but here's my hypothetical. Fast forward ten million years. What do you reckon the next cab off the ranks is? What do you reckon the next species in line to grab some sentience might be? Some oh, um, well, you know what? I'd like I'd like a I'd like, I'd like it to be the rise of the octopus. Okay. You know? 
You know, rise of the octopus. I'd like them just to get together, maybe maybe with a killer whale, yeah, and have a have a little brains trust going on. They say, okay, well, you guys, you guys get the food. We'll we'll figure out how to, you know, build an iPhone. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll go online. Yeah, all of this will happen underwater. Yeah, of course. Um, Yeah, yeah. And the humans just won't see it coming. Yeah. And by that by that point, we'll be all you know machine, and we'll be digital. There'll be no there'll be no people left physically. Yeah. So It'll the just Earth be... will be theirs for the taking. I guess so. Yeah. Well, in this, uh, sorry, I'm really jumping around here. My coffee. I'm getting three shots of coffee, and it's just really hitting hitting me in my uh, <laughs> in my G spot. Um, the I've been going through an alien deep dive. We don't have to get into it, but maybe we, maybe on another pod. But the one of the one of these guys that I was listening to um, was saying that, like, you know, one of the, maybe an argument for why we haven't encountered uh, another civilization is that once you get to a point where you're, it's a, a exponential technologically, um, that you will, there's no need to actually explore the universe or there's no need for you know another civilization to come to earth because we'll all be you know we'll, we'll move to a digital space or an online space where that will be the that will be the universe so we but don't that no need for space physical is, space that digital space still needs to exist in like a physical physical Mm. like on a planet or something right in a data bank or are you suggesting that we become like light itself and like just ripple through the physical universe but like as data waves effectively oh that, that went right over my head um so i don't think so <laughs> i don't think that I was, <laughs> I was, that's what i was suggesting unless i'm smarter than myself it's possible you've had three shots of coffee <laughs> yeah I, I guess yeah if if you if if it's going to be an a digital existence you still need like a server i guess yeah you have to still be residing somewhere i'm actually reading a book at the moment which i'm sort of you know neither here nor there on currently but it's about that very idea like people at the threshold of going from like a a very immersive vr into an uploading kind of thing where it's like uh, the premise of of well the, the protagonist is in a relationship with a partner who's disabled and or dying of kidney disease and decides to upload himself and she doesn't want to and then so oh. she can still log on to like the cyberspace and see the the scanned brain image of the boyfriend that was but it's not really him but it is him and that's where humanity's going and yet the world's becoming hmm. empty around her it's it's an interesting premise I'm not quite sure if it's an interesting book, but it's it's something fascinating philosophically. Yeah, I guess that's where it's all going to go. Like where we'll have this, it has it has to go there. Like if we don't kill ourselves, it has to be that we we will be uh, we will be digital beings at some point. But do you think that that necessitates a removal of the desire to see the rest of the universe? Like, I understand practically that there is an infinite digital space that you could exist in or live in or find satisfaction or, you know, um, utopia in. But is this, does that remove the curiosity about what else is out there? Well, I guess what comes before that is, um, you know, there is an exploration of the universe, but possibly you, you start to realize 
these patterns and you start to maybe realize that, okay, the universe is proliferated with Earth-like habitable planets with creatures, blah, blah, blah. So the equation is just there and then it's like, okay, well, now we know that that is out there. Yeah. There is literally no point. There's like, it's it, it's an endless uh, amount of exploring we can do. So, you know, we, we, we know what's going on. Sure. And that's a, that's about enough. I mean, there's also, I suppose, nothing stopping you being like a digital being, put the data, you know, put the hard drive on a ship and fly the ship off into the, you know, depths of the next galaxy for a million years. Because what's a million years if you're a digital being? It doesn't matter, right? Yeah. So you could still get there physically. Yeah. Still go exploring. Yeah. Do you read much these days? Books? Um while traveling no i've taken one book away with me and i've already read it okay before <laughs> um but i, no, would, I haven't i I, re- I, would, I really want to i would throw um three body problem out there for you um three body problem is going to be the next big series on netflix by the guys who did game of thrones i don't know if that's an endorsement or an actual reason to be worried but it's a chinese author it's it's about sort of space and and um, it's is it C- fiction? Sitchin Lu? Yeah, fictional. Yeah. Cool. All right. C i x i n l i u. First book is is quite sort of terrestrial, um, but the second book in particular touches on a lot of that stuff that I think would really tickle your C spot. All right. Did you did you get into uh, did you watch that latest Black Mirror yeah. season? Yeah, I did. Did you did you get into that? I did. I, I admired it probably more than I enjoyed the individual episodes. And, and sure. I admired what I, what I liked was that there is a clear effort, I think, to push the boundaries of what Black Mirror means, quote unquote, because like those early seasons, it was like, what if social media was bad? And these days it feels like they're going, okay, well, let's, let's see, you know, maybe it's a fucking... <laughs> Spoilers, maybe it's a fucking werewolf episode or maybe it's a fucking, you know, horror show, like a documentary thing. And, and I admired that, that they were like, let's let's see what form this can take and whether or not it works or doesn't work is kind of part of the fun of Black Mirror. Um, yeah, I guess that Black Mirror for me who doesn't write TV is just like, like an interesting concept that somewhere deep down you've thought about it yourself but haven't articulated it and then seeing it kind of yeah. uh, elaborated on and explored like that first that first episode with the yeah Joan the is writing awful. of the TV show yeah wonderful. great premise wonderful great yeah. premise Loved great it. premise and well executed yeah well executed and how timely was that Pressing like how did fuck. they yeah. uh, it's almost eerie yeah. um but like yeah i don't, I don't know if the, like the other episodes really did it for me I, I uh, the second one I liked as like a farmhouse doco thing, but it 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 didn't feel super Black Mirror-y to me. The third mm. one with the space one I thought was a good idea, but probably a bit long. Yeah, fourth one was trash. I I think swing and a miss. Like have have a crack. Well done. Like go for it. But <laughs> I didn't need that. And then the fifth one I thought was quite good. Like quite reasonable. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that sort of feels par for the course like i'd still happily watch the next season of black mirror i think those are decent odds still yeah good show and and it's it's british yeah it's all charlie brooker yeah charlie brooks yeah um 
I also like that they play with this sort of weird conjoined universe thing. Like there's always like just little nods to other Black Mirror episodes across the season and you get you get like recurring names or recurring places or characters or corporations and things. I, I like that they, I mean, they did that explicitly in the Black, Hero, uh, Black Mirror History Museum kind of episode, but yeah, yeah, I like that there's a bit of like a conjoined universe of it all. Like a like an Easter egg. Yeah, I like an Easter egg. I love Easter eggs. Yeah. Did you ever dye Easter eggs, or did you only ever just have chocolate? No. Well, it's it, we used to paint Easter eggs. Yeah. Because it's a it's a Ukrainian kind yeah. of tradition. And it hasn't continued. <laughs> oh no! I mean, God no. Yeah. But I I, I do think who can afford eggs these days? I do think that I, it 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 cultivated a love of boiled eggs. In me is that where it came from i think it might i think it might because it was always like quite quite a fun time you know we'd paint it in the you know uh diet we'd dye the eggs with my grandma and we'd yeah. paint them in you know a traditional ukrainian patterns and stuff and then and then we'd fucking smash them open and then and then Suck eat them the with, with salt and yeah uh you know anchovies and shit and i don't know i don't know what kind of what kind of food that is? Yeah, uh, it's peasant. It's peasant food, really. Uh, but I love it. I love a boiled egg now. Yeah. If you've enjoyed this boiled egg content, then thank you for joining in, and I hope that you go back and listen to some previous episodes in which we also talk about boiled eggs. Like uh, I think there's one literally called Egg Walkers, in which we talk about the Egg Walkers among us carrying eggs in their pockets. So um, if that sounds appealing, please go check it out. Or otherwise, uh, view us in other places like Facebook, like Instagram, uh, jump on Spotify, give us the old uh, five-starry rates, um, send an email to deepfort.gmail.com and, and keep in touch with us, flick a message through, a comment through, and we'd be happy to read it. We do have themes on this podcast, like just little things that just keep coming Motifs. back. Motifs. Motifs. Yeah, the yeah. egg 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 motif. Eggs, there's what is there? Ants. Eggs, ants. I mean you didn't bees. pick up my ant reference last time. No. I, I felt like a I felt like a damn fool, Nick. I felt like a damn fool. <laughs> Look, this is why we, we layer so many depths into our podcast so that it survives a, a repeat listen. That's I think that's fine. A lot of depth to this podcast. A lot it's of almost depth. it's in the name. It's almost deep. <laughs> Okay, well, you know, we've established that you've had three cups of coffee, Michael, and it's probably time for a nap. So I'm thinking that we should probably jump into some blanket fort. I'm following. I just really hope Lauren doesn't come home and <laughs> it just ruined the whole moment. But yeah, <laughs> we hear screaming in the lobby next door as the, <laughs> as the elevator so comes back up. Leave it in. Leave it in. Welcome to Blanket Fort, everybody. If this is your first time joining us, this is a place for us all to just unwind, lie back in bed, and start to nod off. We know that many of you out there like to listen to us 
at night as you fall asleep and we're here to support that choice with a friendly meditative sleep story so buckle up strap in (laughs) (laughs) grab your knee pillow and uh, let us take you on a journey find yourself sat at the top of a tall grassy hill looking down a valley to the green treetops below sorry yeah it goes back <laughs> <laughs> oh boy it's so good you predicted it yeah do you want to explain that we're going to be quiet for a minute or are you just going to do it um we're doing a little uh um blanket fort just if we in in the nicest way possible Lauren. we just get like five like minutes five of minutes of um quietness are you saying that like i'm not intending to do that no i'm, I'm no i'm just i'm just uh, giving, giving context up. thank you thank you lauren thank you lauren thank you thank you lauren I don't think she took that that well. <laughs> you delivered it to me like I was an idiot. Well, I mansplained. He did mansplain again. Okay, I'm getting back in to... <laughs> <laughs> Trying not to think about... That fight confrontation later. will have later. <laughs> you s- sat at the top of a, a grassy knoll, looking down... Oh. at the the parade of cars in front of you I sat at the top a famous president a second shooter (laughs) enters the room god we are we are wildly wildly derailed here sat at the top of a a grassy knoll and strapped to your back a hang glider strapped to your back is the hang gliding instructor there's a lot of buckles and apparatus You take three steps back, bolting towards the cliff face, and you're off. As you start to run down the slope, the wind catches the wings and With a whoosh, you realise you are no longer touching the ground. And together, you float through the 
azure sky above the shimmering treetops. And as you survey the tranquil landscape, you notice to your right, below on the ground, a, a body of water, maybe a lake, maybe a large pond, and there is a figure in the exact middle of this lake and they seem to be waving. You extend your left hand and wave back. Hi, you mouth. Even though you know at this altitude, your mouth will not be visible. right and feel the frame above you also shift as you drift in the beginnings of a wide circle above the valley. Closer towards the ground, gradually, you notice that the figure is not waving after all. They're yelling, Help! Help! You feel concerned wash over your face, your brow furrows, and you nudge the instructor behind you. You extend your right hand and point at the man. Or woman. Or woman. The instructor doesn't seem to hear you. Because the instructor is no longer there. You're flying solo. Where is he or she? The instructor, I mean. You crane your neck upwards and confirm you are alone and as you glance down at the lake you realize that he is wearing the same sleeping bag you were your instructor has fallen out and landed in the lake you realize you don't know how to fly. 
your heart starts to race, your hands become very clammy indeed. And in your panic, you are rapidly hurtling towards the lake. second you are not only losing altitude you are spinning your all the blood rushes to your head and your extremities much like if you went on on the gravitron at the royal adelaide show that that, that kind of feeling you have five seconds before you crash into a lake. Five, four, three. At two, you remember the training that the instructor had half-heartedly whispered as you signed the legal waiver. You gather yourself and stabilize the spin, pulling up and leveling out at the last second. Your toes skimming across the pond. But alas, you are aimed directly at a large cedar and with a heavy thwack you collide wake up surrounded by people you love 
in a brightly lit room. And it's a happy ending for once. (laughs) Because you miss these people. And this is actually... This is actually quite a nice... A nice way out. Because also... Brian? (laughs) Also, you had a terminal disease. So in a way... This was this was how you wanted this was how you wanted to go. So yeah. quick just a quick hang gliding accident. Yeah. <laughs> before before chemo. 